Ding. All right. Ah, well, uh, back. Yeah, what's going on, man? Awesome. Well, sorry to cut you off there. I guess we're uh, we're getting back at it. We're gonna come back at you with a with a jelts here. Uh, for those of you who are uninitiated, the Steve Jeltz Appreciation Society, named after one of the worst players to ever lace them up for the Phillies, but <laughs> he stuck around for years, and uh, we both have some kind of weird affinity for him. So yeah, you know, and I don't, I don't know that we actually give the guy enough credit. I think both you and I have it in our heads that yeah, he was, you know, one of the worst. But you know, in all reality, he he's probably. You know, in that era of Phillies, now, now look, I'm not. Let's not kid ourselves here. The the guy had three separate seasons with the Phillies where he hit under 200. Um, as a lifetime uh, Philadelphia Philly, he hit 213 with five home runs. <laughs> um, his his 162 game average for the Phillies rolls out to 210, one home run. 29 RBI. So while he might not actually be the worst, it's pretty darn close. <laughs> yeah, if he's if he's not if he's not the worst hitting non-pitcher that they've ever had, he's damn close. Uh, one day we'll have to actually sit down and, and do a Steve Jelt centric episode and actually give uh, you know because we've we've talked about certain things like he's like an insurance salesman or something now or. I, I forget. We we went through and we, we talked about uh, how he <laughs> the one year was that he hit both of his home runs in the same inning or something like that. Yeah, there's some really weird things with him. Like the guy in his career had a grand total of five home runs. So I mean, it's and, and you know, all with the Phillies. So yeah, and yeah, and that, here's the crazy thing: he hit five home runs in his career, and four of them were in the same year. Oh, shit. So. <laughs> he only had one multi-home run season in his career. Yeah, here's his home run totals by season. Zero, one, zero, 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 four, zero. <laughs> First, I thought you were just speaking binary. Yeah, I was, I was getting there. Eagle bubble leap. But, yeah, no, so, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll have to deep dive on kind of his career after baseball and – just really dive into his numbers that really aren't much to talk about, but it'll be fun anyway. Yeah. Um, but speak, speaking of um, kind of poor numbers, you shot me in, uh, a text uh, late last night and uh, kind of an idea about looking at players that may have excelled in Philadelphia, um, but maybe didn't pan out so much elsewhere. Or maybe we can uh, revisit some that we've talked about previously, whether it was on here or on our, on our regular pod before we started doing sports-centric ones uh, here on the Jelts, is that players that you know maybe were superstars elsewhere, um, maybe even led Hall of Fame-esque careers, but for some reason they strapped up some kind of Philadelphia uniform and it just didn't work. <laughs> they completely shit the bed. Mm-hmm. But um, so, oh yeah. Before we get into that, though, well, we do have to mention a former Philly is is playing baseball tonight. Yes, yes. Shane Victorino, the flying Hawaiian himself, lacing them up for the Savannah Bananas. Uh, if you're not familiar with the Savannah Bananas, I'm very sorry for you. Uh, they are fantastic. Uh, they're like basically the Harlem Globetrotters of baseball, um, and they're just phenomenal. Like if you just the stuff that they pull off 
it's amazing. Um, the, the other night, the, the last clip I saw for the game actually wasn't them. It was the Party Animals, which is their their uh, Washington Generals, if you will. Right. Yeah. And, um, the dude was tap dancing between pitches. He legit had tap shoes on, and they put a little tap floor out, and he was Did tap really? dancing into the box, and then he'd swing. Like it was, it was ridiculous, but it was awesome. And like they're just known for this this fantastic form of baseball. They call it banana ball, um, and it's it's really if you haven't seen them before, if you're not familiar, do yourself a favor and look them up because they're they're super cool. Yeah, any of the YouTube clips are fantastic. They've had the the pitchers on stilts. They dragged out Bill Lee, who's like a seventy five year old Red Sox. Yeah, Danny Aldis pointed at me. He's like, "Did you see Victorino?" <laughs> Which is oh, funny. Yeah. That, that's how we kick this conversation off. Um, but no, they've done some really fun things. They they drag out and play against um, or play with other former major league talent. I know Johnny Damon has 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 played um, with or against or whatever. Uh, I think he just, should be against them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, hundred um, percent. But no, it's it's been it's really cool. They do some really neat things, um, you know. The uh, and they have some unique things too, where if a fan catches a, uh, a fly ball, um, you know, obviously being a foul, it's an out. So oh, really? Yeah, that's yeah, really. really you know, I think I, I think they should do, and I, I think they would be missing a um, they're missing out on an opportunity if they don't do it. They need to have a game against the ninety uh, three Phillies. Yeah, I guess everyone's still left or close, maybe. I mean, gosh, I don't know. I, I well, Dutch obviously Dutch is gone. Well, he's gone. Yeah, most everyone's got to be still around though. But I don't know. Could you imagine John Crook lacing him up one more time? I I would love to see it. I would lo- <laughs> I, like even if it's just like a if they they like even if it's just an inning. I would just absolutely love to see because think about it. I mean. They were the party animals of their time, and that's true. So I would kind of that would be that would be super cool to me. That would be awesome. But no, it's 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 cool stuff. So props to uh, Shane for uh, for going out there and and doing that with them. That's that that's Having awesome. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And that's yeah, it's really the way baseball should be. I mean, I get it. You know, there's is more over the top, and and like you mentioned, the Harlem Globetrotters. And, and there definitely is a place for that that sort of thing. It's a lot of entertainment ahead of sport. But that said, though, like sometimes MLB gets so – I love baseball. I, I, I love it to death. But it gets so dragged out. Uh, it can be very boring at times. And a lot of times the umpires and management just takes the fun out of it. Right. You know, in, 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 in so many words, like, oh, yeah, let's make this one nothing game even more, you know, boring than it already seems to be. Particularly for people that aren't baseball fans, right? You know, like especially so. like if you're trying to introduce a kid to it, or you know, something like that. God, you're really hit or miss whether or not they're going to come out with a good experience their first time to the park, or if they're going to come out like, "What? Why did we do that?" That's why baseball in Philadelphia has always been fun because we had the fanatic. You know, yeah, as long as we, as long as we've been on the planet, we had the fanatic, and so even in the downtimes, at least going to the ballpark. Or at least being able to watch, they would occasionally show fanatic clips on on TV during the broadcast or before the game, and oh, just you know, just adds a layer of excitement to it. 
Right. Um, I mean, and, and honestly, not for nothing, but there, I feel like there's there's uh, the other sports. They're like football. I love football. I love the Eagles. I would go to every single game if I could. But honestly, the best experience to watch where to watch a football game is at home on your couch or at a bar somewhere. Like it's not in the stadium because you're not getting. I mean, now it's a little bit different because they've got these screens that are like the size of my house. But you know, uh, it, it doesn't give you the best views. But it's a cool environment to be in. Right. Baseball, which is something about being in the stadium, you know. It, doing the seventh inning stretch, hearing the you know getting the opening lineup, seeing the pitchers start up in the bullpen, being able to catch a foul ball, that kind of stuff. You know, there's just something to it. It's just and and if especially in the Phillies case, you know, the with the fanatic there, and then that ball the ballpark is great, and just the smells and the sounds of the ballpark that you don't get at home. So. Not like in Oakland, where it's the smell of the sewer coming up, through the, uh, <laughs> and the reason why the team is leaving. Um, yeah. Part of one of the reasons, anyway. Um, but yeah, no. So let's uh, let's kind of dive into our topic at the hand. I know you had sent me uh, that message last night. You know, so the I'll let you kick it off here with, you know, uh, something about these players. Like I said, either one way or the other, that just you know excelled in Philly, didn't pan elsewhere, or um, you know, obviously were superstars elsewhere than at Pan and Philly, or maybe just superstars that were players that were supposed to be superstars, maybe through a draft um, that the Phillies, Eagles, Flyers, Sixers made that just was like, you know what? Uh, that didn't happen at all for anybody. So, all right, I'm going to start off. I, I'm going to start off positively on this one for Philly. And we got to go with, with the, the top, Top of the line, I guess it, it would be the way I would put it. The the number one guy, the man himself, good old number nine, BDN, Nick Foles. And if you look at his record, and then this was what really made me think about it. So if you look at his record with the uh with the Eagles, he was 25 and 13, 69 touchdowns, 28 interceptions, and a 94 passer rating. And obviously, you know, with one of the greatest um, postseason runs of all time, culminating in a, in a Super Bowl MVP and a Super Bowl win. Um, and then you look at with his other teams, right? He's with the Rams, Chiefs, Jaguars, Bears, and Colts. He's eight and eighteen, even with twenty-four touchdowns and twenty-four interceptions, and a seventy-six point nine passer rating. Yeah, and think about the things that he did with the Eagles. He had seven touchdowns in one game. He had twenty-seven touchdowns to two interceptions. In the one in that same season, again, one had one of the best postseasons ever, and that was in his second stint in Philly. And right. he flamed out as a starter with the Rams, and then went to the Chiefs as as a backup. Like this dude is either on point or on the bench, really. 
and it seems like he's only on point in Philly. And I don't know. It's not like it was the coaching staff because he went, you know, he was a, he was a starter with us under um, his rookie year, I believe, was with uh, Andy Reid. And I think his second year was actually with Andy Reid, too. I could be wrong on that. Um, no, yeah, his second year was with Andy Reid, too, because he won uh, – he the last game that Andy Reid won as an Eagles coach was the game in Tampa that I went to, where he threw a last second touchdown to Jeremy Macklin to win the game. Mm, um, yeah, was that what was that fourteen or thirteen or fourteen? Yeah, was, I think 13? it was 13 yeah, or fourteen. Yeah. Um, and then he he left, a, or he played for played for Chip, and no, I'm mixing something up here. I'm missing something. But in any event, yeah, Chip. Yeah, Chip. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, no, no, Chip. Okay, so yeah, you're good. You're on the you're on the right track here because 13 Eagles was the last. No, excuse me, that was the 12 Eagles. That was the last time uh, he was there with Andy Reid. So the 2012 Eagles was was Andy Reid's last stint or season with the Philadelphia Eagles. Went four and 12, and then gone um, to KC. Um, uh, Chip Kelly comes in at 13, so that's Foles' second and third seasons. Um, in the in the in the NFL and obviously with Philly there, um, and then that's after the 14 season is when Foles gets uh, shipped to the Rams and Kansas City and then back to Philly. So oddly enough, Foles Foles plays under Andy Reid the season uh, the season before he comes back to Philly, and well, you know, uh, the next couple of years are um, quite interesting for him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, so, you know, he's so he's just a legend in Philly, and just some schlub off the streets everywhere else. And it's just, you know, I've never seen an, another quarterback that's had that much of a difference between playing, you know, playing in places. Um, I mean, who can you think of that? That's like maybe. Uh, Steve Young between when he was with the with the Buccaneers and when he was with the Niners. Uh, let's look um, and see. We can we can pull that right now. Actually, let's look. So Steve Young as a quarterback with the San Francisco 49ers went ninety one and thirty three, which is just ridiculous. Um, with the Tampa two years in Tampa Bay, three and sixteen. <laughs> I mean, and that could be honestly that could be a lot, of things. Team. a lot of things because. Tampa yeah. was terrible. Yeah, team around him. Those were his first two years in the NFL. I mean, you, you can really, you know, chalk up a lot of things. And here's the crazy thing, too. You have to think, too. Steve Young basically was, you know, 86, second year in the league. He was he was, he was Tampa starter. He went 2-12, and 12, started 14 games. Um, but then in 87, 88, 89, 90, and I believe it got into what 91, 90, yeah, 91 even maybe, yeah, because 92 was the year that I believe he became the full time starter for the, or excuse me, for the 49ers. And uh, he was under the tutelage of one Joe Montana <laughs> for a lot yeah. of years there. Never heard of her. Uh, yeah, he's some guy, car salesman or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes, yeah, so, yeah. I, I mean, and that's the thing. He he he's somebody that was like that. But 
it wasn't like he went to multiple places. You know, nobody is quite like um, like Nick Foles. Uh, who was the other guy? Vinny Testaverde. So Vinny Testaverde was with the Bucks, and he went to the Browns, and he was with the Jets. And he had a smattering of success here and there. But he was, I mean, that's, he, even he, he never had the level of success that Nick Foles reached. He never reached the heights that Nick Foles reached. He had a long career, very long career. Because he was like, what, 80 when he retired? But, yeah, just know, about. <laughs> yeah. He was using a walker in the last season to get around. <laughs> but, um. You know, nobody has had that that same level, has reached the same heights and hit the same lows as Nick Foles in one career, really. Right. Yeah. No. No kidding. He, you're you're exactly right. Um, he'll always have kind of that place in everyone's hearts in Philly, and I think that's why the the rumors flying around now of, of him making a, a even a, a third stint over. You know, there's a reason for that. You know, right. the, you know, the, look, the guy won a Super Bowl in uh, for us in Philly. You just proved your point there. He's a proven winner in Philly. I mean, without a doubt. Would he be a great, capable backup? Of course he would. Um, now it's not the time. Um, I think no. we've obviously no. – that, that ship sailed. But that but that's right. the reason why those rumors and those, you know, kind of like, hey, you look, I, I, dude, would I think it would be awesome? Of course I do. Um, but he's – you know, it's just not, not now. And no. uh, thank you for everything, but – the only way I want to see Nick Foles back with the Eagles is in some kind of coaching role. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I agree. I agree. I mean, he's he is a coach's son, so he may eventually go that route. But honestly, dude, the only thing that that's going to do, that would be us stepping on our own toes. Right. Because you've got a good young quarterback, right? And – what happens with that good young with with the last good young quarterback we had? Nick Foles came in because he got hurt. Nick Foles came in, had success, won the Super Bowl, and at that point, our good young quarterback's confidence was shattered, and he rushed right. himself back from injury, never completely healed, and you know the rest of the story. Now, do I think that that would happen with Jalen Hurts? No. I think Jalen Hurts is a different cat. I think he thinks different. He's got a different he's got a different mindset. I don't think he's threatened by anybody on the roster, really. No matter you, you could bring Tom Brady back out of retirement and make him the backup. And I don't think he's looking over his shoulder one second because he's just got that kind of confidence about him and he's he's that good of a leader. But at the same time, we don't need any drunk fans out there chanting for Nick Foles to go in when uh, when Jalen Hurts throws an interception in preseason, you know. So yeah, just let Nick let Nick either ride off into the sunset, play for a different team, or if he comes back here, make it into coaching position. Aside from that, uh, the only time I want to see him is is when we're celebrating uh, the you know, the anniversary of the Super Bowl win. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I'm with you on that 100%. You know, when they when he gets inducted into the Eagles Hall of Fame, obviously. Um, I want to take kind of the, uh, the the cheap route here because kind of stay on topic, though, with this. 
and while not nearly as heralded in Philadelphia, um, still holds a much better uh, career record. Um, I always say much better, but at least more accolades anyway, um, with exception to some numbers um, in Indy, um, being Carson Wentz. And, and I only bring this guy up in the sense of this guy was never going to be, you know, Mr. You know, stud. Uh, number number one quarterback in the league, but he was to me was going to be very serviceable and can win a lot of ball games, and I think he 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 somewhat proved that fairly early on. Um, I want to go back to the Super Bowl winning season. Um, his quarterback record through the thirteen games that he played before he got injured, before Nick took over, he was eleven and two. Um, you know, and I think there's a lot to be said for that. Again, we can we can go all day long about team wrapped around him. Obviously, Nick took that team, you know, ran rough shot to the playoffs and ultimately beats, uh, you know, Tom Brady's Patriots to win the Super Bowl. But those, there was a lot to like um, off that run, you know, um, it was just, it was crazy. I believe in his uh, spot there, he led the league, I believe in QBR that season. Uh, that's, that's how good of a season that was now. Um so much that the next few seasons, though, after injury, and we can go about being rushed back. We can talk about, you know, not having a line and being sacked a million times because that certainly happened to the guy, too. There was a lot of different things we could talk about with him. Played very mediocre, really, for the rest of his time in, in, in Philly, and so he was showing the door. Um, Jalen Hurts gets the starting job, and so he goes to Indy um, and then actually doesn't do – awful necessarily goes nine and eight um you know and i say awful look we just talked about steve young second season in tampa going two and twelve right nine and eight and two and twelve are different animals so i can't i can't sit here and say I, all day long i can be like oh yeah nine and eight carson was terrible look he, he played a middling football season um, but that's not what they were looking for out of him so then he gets shipped off to washington and that was a absolute disaster last year and you know it's like we're, yeah so at yeah, this well, point it's like you go from being okay to then running a lot of mediocrity and then boom so you you have flashes of brilliance in philly you you really set the world on fire during the season that they won the super bowl unfortunately he was hurt with it whatever and then boom i mean it's just it's over you know i've never seen somebody go to be multi-million dollar talent to basically unemployment football line, you know, very hard to get there, especially at the level he was playing, to go from starter to basically not a thought in a, that short right. amount of time. Well, and I'll say this for him, because I, you know, I was a huge Carson Wentz fan. And my my vision of what happened is is differs a little bit from your from your explanation um, and I think the truth lies somewhere in the middle but I my thing was his rookie year house of fire showed glimpses of what could be started off really good was uh if if not for one Dakota Prescott who happened to come into the league at the same time um probably wins offensive rookie of the year or at least challenges mm -hmm. for it. Um, he started off, he he and, and Dak both set the, well, he and Dak were both going for the um, 
first, you know, so many passes thrown before you throw your first interception record. Um, Dak ended up winning out on that one. Uh, and there were just, there was a lot to like, and I saw a budding superstar. So much so that I, I ordered his jersey, his rookie year. Um, and then the second, you know, 2017 comes along. Holy shit. He's, he's even better. He's even better than I thought he could be. And he's doing all the dynamic stuff. He's running. He's throwing. He's just throwing these fucking absolute ropes to people. He is throwing. He's making plays that I don't think many other quarterbacks could make. And he did it, and, and everybody seemed to love him, and everything seemed to be going great. And then he gets hurt. And I think this is the first time. You think about the school that he came from, right? What was it? North yeah, Dakota? North, North Dakota State. Right. How much – obviously he had some kind of um, competition growing up, competition at that school. But I don't think on the scale that he had it. I feel like he kind of never really dealt with adversity. He had injuries coming out of college and stuff, but nothing like he had at this time and nothing at the level that he had where he – Kind of, um, I don't, I, you know, he was in the middle of a dream season, right? And then for that to be taken right. away from him, and then give and, hand it to somebody else, and then so he watches his backup win over the city, win the Super Bowl, win the MVP, and the whole time he's got to be thinking, you know, that should be me, right? That should be me, and then so. All that offseason, he deals with hearing people talk about, well, you know, Nick Foles, maybe, maybe we should trade Carson. Maybe we should trade Carson. Maybe Nick Foles should start, you know. So I think that's when the doubts started creeping in and, and the issues started creeping in with him. And then he rushes himself back. He, I don't think he was under any pressure because, remember, he didn't start week one. No, no. I don't think he was at week two or week three before he even came in. He and only then, started. Yeah, I was gonna say in 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 the year after the eighteen season, he started eleven games. So I mean, it was a little while into the season before he, well, you know. Well, no, he he came back and then he got hurt again. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. And, yeah, he came back and he, he got hurt again. Oh, no, 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 he did. Okay, okay. Hold on, I'm looking at the uh, I'm looking at the this the schedule. No, no, hold on. Uh, I was looking at the schedule to see if I could figure out. Yeah, no, you're right, though. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. So he for, rushes himself back, forces himself back before he's ready. He's not His throwing motion was off. He was using more – he was using his back more. He was, he was torquing his body to compensate for his leg and not being able to drive with his legs to throw the ball and generate the mm -hmm. velocity that he needed to. And he ends up breaking a bone in his back. Yep. And then it's just – it's a domino effect from there. He's just at that point. Then the fans start turning on him. Nick Foles leads the Eagles back to this, back to the playoffs. He ends up um, winning a game, and they go to um, New Orleans, and they were, you know, arguably an Alshon Jeffrey drop away from making it to the next round. Uh, they still would have had the score. You know, they still, still other things that would have had to happen. But 
it's a hell of a lot more likely if Alshon Jeffrey catches that football. Right. And then, so after that season, there's issues. Foles is, is dealt away to help calm Carson's nerves, right? And then what happens? Then that season, you know, Nick's demand, or uh, uh, Carson's demand, and they go into the playoffs again. And Carson seemingly willed that team to the playoffs. There was a run at the end of the season where he was just, he was killing it. And he set the record for passing yards for an Eagles quarterback. And he was killing it. They get into the first first game. It's his first home game, first game playing in the playoffs. And then Jadavian Clowney fucking cheap shots him and gives him a concussion mm-hmm. at the game. And then Josh, uh, fuck, what's his name? He played for like every team. Um, no, he was like 80 years old too. But he comes into the game, tears – would he tear both his quads or t- tears his groin off the bone or some shit? And then, um, and they don't, the Eagles don't score. I don't think they scored a touchdown. I think it was all extra or all uh, kicks, you know. And then the next season, they draft, they draft uh, Jalen Hurts because, you know, you got to get a reliable backup. And then that was when Carson fell apart. And yeah. I don't think he's put it back together since then. And I think that, you know, he's, his, I don't know. I, I, I don't know how things play out if Carson doesn't get hurt in 2017. I don't know that we win the Super Bowl. I really yeah, don't. That, and but that's the I, thing, too. Like, I, My thing with him is that, you know, he often injured. Um, he was, he's glass, basically. I mean, it was unfortunate. I mean, like, cheap right. shots or, you know, then wasn't there a season where he led the league in getting sacked or something crazy like that? Probably the um, 2020 season. Yeah, there was some insane thing with him. I believe it was the 20 season. And, um, it, you know, the the guy was just not destined for, to me, like I said, I don't think he was ever destined to be a number one in the NFL. And and coming out of what you already mentioned, coming out of North Dakota State, and only reason why is if you're looking at coming out of North Dakota State, one, number one, you're coming out of the MVC. You're not talking about a power conference. But, two, he had one and a half seasons of really playing – starting quarterback football there. Right. Basically, it was very minimal during his freshman, sophomore years, which is not uncommon in college. Let's not get that, you know, past that point. But has a heck of a, a junior year, which is pretty much the reason why he gets drafted and plays half his senior season. So right. has a season and a half of college football really under his belt before the Eagles take him as second overall pick in 2016. So, look – who knows? He if he didn't get hurt, you know the, the Super Bowl thing could have changed for the Eagles. Obviously, you know we don't know. I don't really want to speculate on that one necessarily because um, that's I'm long gone. And, yeah. <laughs> now, but the, the, the uh, only thing I will say um, is what really what really cost him in Indy was losing that game to the Jaguars. They were in a yep. win and you're in situation. Yeah, there was a winner Jag- winner out. Yeah. Right, and the Jags fucking throttled them, and yep. it wasn't particularly like it wasn't pretty. It wasn't there was nothing. It was just the one of the worst games where you you have to step up in that situation, and he didn't. He didn't do it. He he had a costly turnover. 
or I think several costly turnovers cost his team the game and he cost himself a starting job with the Colts. They had yeah, no he was to- uh they lost 20 that, that game they lost uh, 26 to 11 and Wentz's line in that game was 185 a touchdown a pick got sacked six times and lost a fumble. Right. So, and, and, and even on paper, that sounds better than that game was, you know, yeah, it, those, the, those stats don't do that justice. Than, no, it was not even that close of a game. Oh no. It was, uh, I remember watching that one as we get a lot of Colts games here and that was, um, you know, and I obviously wanted to see him succeed, um, but that was not meant to be. Goes to Washington and done. It's uh, it's yeah. pretty much over, Johnny. Yeah, he's a he's a free agent now. Nobody has really brought him into camp, and we'll see if he ever. No, I've heard another. there's there's rumors were flying around about the Packers bringing him in. I, I guess under Jordan Love. I don't know what. Hey, you know what? Let him because honestly, if he's if I feel like that's a good spot for him. Because the, the the Packers are not that bad of a team, you know, and that yeah, might be a place yeah, where I mean, Jordan Love, you know, Jordan Love gets hurt or, or doesn't perform. Because Jordan Love, Jordan, this is the first extended look at Jordan Love that anybody's going to get. Since oh college. yeah, you yeah exactly. So you have Jordan Love starting, and then really your um, your current backup on the depth chart is Sean Clifford, who was just drafted out of Penn State in the fifth round. And then your third string right now is Danny Etling, um, who came out of the eight-team draft um, in the seventh round. And I, I'll be dead honest with you, I don't think I've ever heard that name in my life. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I haven't. All right, so let's go on. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna change sports here. Uh, I, I do. There is another Eagles quarterback we need to talk about, but actually, there's two other Eagles quarterbacks we need to talk about, but. This is not the time for them yet. I want to change sports and talk about one Mr. John Van Beesbrook, who was lights out, eliminated the Flyers from the playoffs in the Eastern Conference Finals one year, um, and then and was just fantastic. You know, he was okay with New York. He was never great, really, with the Rangers, which ended up getting him exposed in the expansion draft and he goes to the Florida Panthers where something clicked Mm -hmm. and he turned it on and he ended up getting himself a nice lucrative contract and for agency where he cashed in, played for the Philadelphia Flyers and was not the same goalie at all. Yeah. I'm pulling, I'm I'm on hockeyreference.com right now and uh, I'm looking at his, um, Years with the Rangers and the Panthers and the Flyers and so forth. And yeah, not very good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, that, let me tell you, as a, as a young, at the time, somewhat young Flyers fan, um, I'd seen all kinds of goalies. And I was like, you know, Hextall was my favorite. And then we got Beezer. I'm like, holy shit. Wait a second. You mean John Van Beesbrook? <laughs> we we have a legitimate goalie besides Ronnie Hextall? Holy shit! When did this? How? Wait, what? How did this happen? 
<laughs> and I was so fucking let down. That was Christmas morning when I found like not actually Christmas morning, but it was Christmas morning to me when I found out that we had gotten John Van Beesbrook. I'm like, get the fuck out of here. Obviously, I didn't say that because I was but a wee <laughs> lad. Uh, but that's was, possible. That was in the 98-99 season. <laughs> no, no, I probably, yeah, I was probably cursing a lot. Um, but uh, no, dude, I was I was stoked. I was I was super happy that we had gotten John Van Beesburg because that was so. If it, it was the ninety eight ninety nine season, you said, yeah. So he came on board the ninety eight ninety nine season. He just fl- finished his tenure. Had spent uh, five seasons with the Panthers. Okay, so then ninety six ninety seven, we went to the Stanley Cup Finals and we lost. We got blown. We our doors blown off by the Red Wings. And then the next season we came back and we weren't good. We weren't great. I don't even know. I don't remember if we, I think we made the playoffs, but I, I, I'm fairly certain we made the playoffs. But I also believe that that might have been. Um, was that was that the Lindros? No, that wasn't when Lindros got the got the concussion and almost died. Right. Mm, I'm not sure on time. I'll, I'll have to. I'll. But anyway, in any event, goalie was our weak. And so, oh no! I think that was the year that we had Garth Snow in net, and um, and we played the we played the Sabers in the playoffs, and there was a massive brawl, and Garth Snow fought um, Dominic Hoshik. But um, but the, so the next year, you know, to, to come back two years after getting our doors blown off and having goalie been one of the worst parts of it, we got John Van Beesbrook. Well, fuck, we're gonna win the Stanley Cup. You put this one in the, in the bag, fellas. We got this. No, we did not have this. Not even a little bit. It was terrible. It was horrible. I would. I thought I was being punked before punked was even a thing. Like it was. I couldn't believe how badly he played for us. But such is life as a Philadelphia Flyers fan. Right. So. And, and you know, the overall, going back to the first season with the Flyers, Flyers actually finished second in the Atlantic that year. But if you look at his numbers, they're just not good. And especially coming off of what he was doing with Florida, you go back to his Florida numbers real quick, just to kind of uh, make it a point. He had finished, and this even dates back to his time with the Rangers, in five of the previous six seasons, he had finished in within the top seven in uh, the uh, Vizina voting. Um, so it's like he was very heralded. Um, had a had a third place uh, Hart uh, Memorial Trophy vote back in ninety three ninety four, um, and even had a couple of All Star nods. Um, actually, several All Star nods, I guess you could say. Uh, so I mean, the, and the heart. For those of you who don't know, the heart trophy is the MVP of the league. The Vesna trophy is given to the best goalie in the league. So these aren't like little tickets. It's not like he's he's getting the Lady Bing trophy nomination given to the best the person with the best sportsmanship. He was like going after legitimate shit here. Yeah, and and uh, and, I, and when I say all star nods, it's not like he's necessarily making. You know the all-star team year in year out here he's he's just finishing closer to the top in votes um and and when he was a member of the flyers um that was not existent <laughs> right because he was so, fucking hot garbage he didn't deserve yeah. to be an all-star no no in fact the last time he even sniffs any kind of 
recognition award wise or um, all star wise goes back to his time in Florida, 96, 97. In his career, kind of once it flamed out with the Flyers after a couple of seasons, becomes an Islander and then a Devil and then it's over. Right. So he's stuck around the Northeast for a little bit. Yeah, it's funny. He's one of those long-term players. So he started when he was 18, uh, played uh, a cup of coffee game with the uh, New York Rangers in the 81-82 season, uh, comes back in 83-84 for a couple more games and really becomes a starter in 84-85. Has a long run with the Rangers before he even goes to Florida. So he was, he was well-seasoned by the time he even touched Philadelphia. So um, I think – think there's some i don't know reservations if you really look at it from this time frame now it's like wait a yeah. minute <laughs> how many years does this guy have in the league before he even straps on skates for the flyers <laughs> which and honestly at that time at that time that's that's how the flyers were ed snyder was trying to do anything he could to win a cup but he was doing so many things that were so misguided like he was telling his gms to go after guys like tony amani and um Paul Coffey and and these dudes that that were done, they were done, you know, like years ago, and or, or or two or three years prior, and he was scooping them up at the trade deadline. He was scooping up these players, or he was signing them the contracts and stuff. And they were good players; they were all time greats, but they weren't when they got to us. Um, and and. and it was just – it's sad because it was such a great organization for such a long time, and it's just gone downhill. You know, it was heading downhill then. Um, but ever since Ed Snyder died, it's just – it's almost like the Flyers died. They're just right. – they, they haven't – you know, the ownership doesn't know what the hell it's doing. The, the GMs have been shit. The coaches have been shittier, and – so I'm just hoping that this time around, hopefully they got it right, and we'll see what happens. Uh, but all right, let's enough doom and gloom. Go ahead to your your next player. Yeah, no, I was trying. I had a hard time really thinking. Uh, I, I want to jump over to baseball, and I was trying to really think of players because you could, I could, you know, make the easy, you know, well, I could say Ryan Sandberg right here. Um, you know, make that. Oh well, he he, you know, played six games for the Phillies, and you know, then becomes a right. Hall of Famer for the Cubs. That's not really fair. Um, you know, and I, I could say that for several different players, and you could go back and forth on on certain ones. I uh, I was looking though, and one really stuck in my head, and maybe not so much by the numbers, but more for the performance and what we got out, especially at the end of his time in Philly. It was Jose Mesa? Um, yeah, the the guy was an all star. He was an all two time all star coming out of Cleveland. Um, he floated around before he came to, came to Philly. Um, but really had a couple of decent seasons um, in 0102, not bad. Um, you know, sub three ERAs. Um, but you know, if you look back at the Phillies back then, you know, the 01 Phillies were you know middling, 86, 76, not a whole lot going on anyway. Uh, it goes to the 02 Phillies where he had another decent season. Um, they were again 500 team, 80, 81. Uh, but then it really fell apart for him in 03. And I think that's where my, my memories more come in because the Phillies were kind of coming back around their 86 to 76 again, 10 games over 500 that year. Um, you know, just the, the, the NL East was kind of tough at that time. 
because you had a, a just you know really strong Braves team, and then the, uh, the the Marlins ahead of them. So the Phillies, you know, obviously weren't sniffing the playoffs necessarily. But Mesa didn't help matters in a year that they you know could have potentially made some kind of run. Um, kind of looking back on his numbers, very reminiscent of like post World Series season Brad Lidge. Um, five and seven for Mesa with a six five two, and just not good. Um, right. The you know thirty one walks to forty five strikeouts. That just I saw that number and that's what really stuck out to me. It was like that's what I remember about the guy. I don't remember anything he did the two seasons prior. I remember that being that bad. I remember him getting booed out of the stadium um, a couple different times. Not really. And you know the guys, like I said, the guys a two-time All-Star. He had some really great seasons prior. Um, you know, once led the league in saves, and you know, actually saved a lot of games in Philly. Um, mm. But then, just I don't know. It's something about his tenure as it finished up. Um, and again, not as not as heralded as um, you know his time in Cleveland. Obviously, you know, there was no awards coming his way. But I just remember him just really bothering me. And it's like, you should be a lot better. And I don't care where you're at, at your point in your career. I know he was getting toward the end of it. Um, but the Phillies were actually barely competitive or getting right. to that point. You know, it was just before the glory years started. And it's like, man, if you'd had anyone else, like you probably could have won, I don't know, like, let's see, what was his war that year? It was not good. Um, yeah, his war that year was negative two. So, um, yeah, just not good. You know, you, you easily could have had a handful of more wins without him even touching the mound. Right. And he, at one time, until Jonathan Papelbon came along, he was our, he was our all-time leader in saves. Yeah. Yeah, the, the guy has did. like a, yeah. He, he held yeah. on a year a year or two too long. I mean, and he got he was with us when we made our our first you know entrance back into the playoffs since '93, but it wasn't in a in a starring role. No, I, th I think the thing that bothers me more about him too is that look, you have a bad season in '03 with a team that was 10, 10 games over five hundred, but then he can save forty three games for a Pittsburgh Pirates team in '04. That was 73 or 72 and 89. Right. Like, you know, has a heck of a season. Like, why didn't you do that? You know, you could have been in, you could have made the Phillies a 90 game winner, you know, right. and, and may, and may have had, you know, may have made a difference enough to make a playoff push. You know, I don't know. I, it, it's, in, I don't know. I, I think that's why it kind of sticks out to me as someone that I'll never remember. And in, in even, even with his two previous seasons of having decent numbers, just <laughs> now. All right, so let's let's talk about um, a couple. I'm gonna bundle these two together. A couple all-time great Eagles quarterbacks. Um, who had? I'm gonna guess one of them. Can I, can I can I guess one of them first? Yeah. QB Eagles. Yes. All right. So I knew, I knew you're gonna go with him. I'm trying to think who the other one's gonna be, but two all-time greats had opposite career trajectories once they left the Eagles. Okay. So, first one, obviously, Randall Cunningham, QB Eagles. He he had some great years with us. 
Um, unfortunately for him and us as fans, he kind of got screwed when he was here. Number one, the guy that was like a like a father figure to him, his quarterback coach in his formative years as a quarterback in Philly, dies, right? And that was that was devastating to him. And it was devastating to his development as a coach because he was also the buffer between Randall and Buddy Ryan, who Buddy Ryan notoriously gruff, notoriously anti-offense. He was a defensive guy. Couldn't give two shits about the offense, just wanted it to run. So much so that Rich Kotite was his fucking offensive coordinator. <laughs> so, you know. So Randall's here. His development is stunted by by having to deal with Buddy and Rich Kotite, right? He ends up um leaving here and goes to Minnesota, where has a career renaissance, mm -hmm. playoffs, has success as a passer that he's never had before. You know, he always showed flashes. He had the, these exciting uh, uh, talents, and he had these, these abilities that were unlike any other quarterback we'd ever seen before. But he could just never put it all together. And he never really had the offense around him to be able to put it all together. Think about it. When he had Chris Carter, Chris Carter had to be cut because of his drug problem. Right. And then he goes to Minnesota and has the best version of Chris Carter. Yeah. And he has Chris Carter. And he ends up having this team around him that's just fantastic. And he kills it. And he just – he has the best years of his career. But then he does the one unforgivable thing that I will always hold against him. Yeah. And at the end of his career – he prolongs it by going to the Dallas Cowboys speeder backups. Yeah, you know it's funny. I, some for some of my feeds on the on these, I, I've I've seen lately about athletes in the wrong uniform. Like athletes don't look right in a uniform because they did go and play. So Randall Cunningham to me will always be built off of Eagle Green, and to even think about him in a Cowboys uniform is still sacrilegious, even though it happened. Right. It's insane, absolutely yeah. insane. You know, it's it's different thinking about a player like um, who's another one that traversed Herschel Walker. I think is another one, right? He traversed both, yeah. but I can yeah, still he, see he him was, as a yeah. I can see him as first. yeah, right, and that's why I think that's why I can see him as the cowboy. Yeah, you know, but I can also see him as the eagle because he had very right. you know pretty good success with us too. Um, and, and there's certain players I can see like that. Uh, to is another one. I can see him in in different different uniforms, no problem. But also as an eagle, you know, 49ers, right. yes, you know, Eagles, yes, those those types of players. Randall, right. though, decides, as you said, prolong the career, goes to Dallas, and then finishes in Baltimore, which is even stranger to me. Yeah, uh, I I don't know what he was thinking with that, but so we've got Randall, right? And then we've got Donovan McNabb. Hmm. Okay, I'm thinking you're going to go that route, but wasn't entirely certain. And Donovan McNabb, one of the whether you like him or not, the stats bear out that he was one of the greatest quarterbacks that ever put on the midnight green. Right? He may be he may be a lot of things that we're not even going to get into on this, but he was a he was an all time great Philadelphia Eagle. And then 
the Eagles did something that I never thought they would ever do. And they traded him to the Washington Redskins. <laughs> the Redskins. Right, now right, right. The Warriors. But that was, I thought, when my dad told me that, I thought he was screwing with me. Because <laughs> I was outside. I remember specifically it was Easter Sunday. My grandparents were down. We were all we were all hanging out. They, you know, we were on the on the little nigh and then came inside and my dad goes, Hey, Donovan just got traded. I'm like, what? He goes, Yeah, Donovan got traded. I'm like, get out of here. Who did he get traded to? Washington. I'm like, no, he did not. The Eagles would not You're trade lying. him. Stop joking. Yeah. I couldn't believe it. And then well, hell, I thought we were the dumbest franchise on the face of the earth. I'm like, what the f- – what are they doing? <laughs> How are you going to trade him into the division, you fucking stunad? But – Boy, did it work out. Right. Yeah. They were right. Goes goes five and eight as a starter in Washington. Um, you know, still goes for over 3,000 yards passing. But his touchdowns to interceptions, not too good, 14 to 15. So, you know – you did yeah, well, you know, they still – he as a starter, he went five and eight, so eh. <laughs> But then even crazier, though, is to as – you, as you mentioned, you know, Cunningham goes to Minnesota. So how awkward is that that now McNabb finished his career in Minnesota? That's right. odd. So he goes up there because I think that's when Brad Childress had gone up there, if I remember correctly. And – he goes up there to try and to be with Brad Childress, and it, dude, it did not work. It did not work. Yeah, even a little bit. he flamed out there. That was the end of his career. It was one in five um, as a starter, and yeah. you know, um, obviously, and, and not, not only that, in his six games he started, throws four touchdowns, which is abysmal. But um, yeah, yeah, just so, not, not not a good. Yeah, that was a good one. Um, just flamed out completely. And, you know, yeah. here again, though, you got to think about this, too, in terms of here's the one thing I like to think about him. I always saw him, you know, Grant, he, he, he you know, heck of a heck of a quarterback. Um, but, you know, what I think is forgotten about him is very early on, especially in a lot of his early Pro Bowl run um, and the playoff run there, the, you know, the, the, you know, Pro Bowl run, meaning oh, the 2000 season to 2004 season. Um, look, the guy could run. You know, he ran for 629 yards in the 2000 season, then had you know close to 500 yards seasons the next uh, couple of years. You know, we say this all the time. Looking at you know uh, football running backs, there's a shelf life to them, eight, ten seasons max. There's a reason why Barry Sanders hung, hung up the cleats after you know just a handful of seasons. There's a reason why certain well, that's just can't... The Lions sucked. Well, yeah, well. But you know what I mean, though. There's, he, he. I don't think he was. I, I also think he realized too that you know he had a he had a shelf life. He realized it, and a lot of running backs do that. And you see that from time to time again. Look at all the great ones that we've seen over the years just flame out after a certain time. I like to think of Priest Holmes and those names that you see, and it's like, oh, they had great five six seasons, and then boom, it's over. Uh, McNabb was a running quarterback early on, and then as that started to go down, obviously had to rely more on the arm. Um, if you really look at his career statistics, you know, he's only a Pro Bowler one more time beyond his 
2004 season, and that was the season prior to him being traded. So it's, you know, actually that was the season he was traded, I should say, you know, right now, all of you. you know what I mean? And um, it's crazy. It really is. It's, it's, it's wild to, to think like, maybe that's why they saw something like, Hey, this guy maybe planed his legs out, you know, because of the type of quarterback that he was early on. You know, I don't know. Well, and, and, and a lot of the, so Donovan got a lot of, unfair and undue criticism early in his career because he was a running quarterback. And that was the narrative around uh, black quarterbacks in general was that mm-hmm. always, Oh, they, the only way that a, that a black quarterback can, can work in the NFL is if they're athletic and they run because they don't have, and this was, this was something that was actually said is that a black quarterback will never win the Super Bowl because they're not smart enough to play the quarterback position. And obviously that's so asinine. Yeah. And so, but that was the thing, like where Donovan was starting to hear, first of all, Donovan started off his career. How should I say this? Our fans showed their ass. Thanks to Angelo Cataldi and his idiots at the draft with booing the pick at everything when mm-hmm. Donovan McNabb was drafted. And that stuck with him. And I got to think that that still bothers him to this day. You know? And so everything he did in his early career was to try and win over the fans. And then eventually he stopped giving a shit. But I still think he carries that chip on his shoulder. But if you look at it, what he the, uh, the unjust criticisms that he was getting was, oh, he's just a running quarterback. So what he did was between the fact that he was trying to prove people wrong, that he was more than just a a, a running quarterback and also the injuries that he ended up getting, like the broken ankle, which I'll never forget. You know, people can talk all the shit they want on Donovan McNabb, but he played a game, finished the game on a broken fricking ankle to, to quote, (laughs) quote, uh, Kurt Angle. Uh, He, he finished the game, he, what was it, I think four touchdowns, no interceptions, 300 yards, something like that. Mm-hmm. Finished the game with a broken ankle, would not come out because he wanted his team to win. That was – and that's why I had such a hard time with the whole with the whole narrative around Donovan McNabb about where people don't like him or, or people – you know, who, we don't really know what happened with him and T.O. We don't really know what happened at all. But right. I've seen stuff out of Donovan where, I yes, he's a jackass – but I'm also willing to give him the benefit of the doubt in certain situations. And, but I think he went from trying to, he let the outside criticism affect his career and affect the way he played the game. And I think that that's a big reason as to why things fell out the way they did. Um, If he stay maintains that running style of play, if he was able to, maybe things turn out different for him, but he was, he was hearing the people saying, Oh, he can't throw the ball. He can't do this. He can't do that. And he was trying to prove him wrong. And, and, and I feel for the guy in that. It, you know, you you got to feel for somebody that's – they're trying to do everything they can to win and to, to win over a city. And he's got his teammates publicly talking shit on him and saying, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe I'm just yeah, – no, no. No, yeah, no. It's it's uh, it's a shame. I was always a big fan of his, um, you know. And then, of course, you know, as as time has gone on, you know, we can 
you know, obviously get on that one another time maybe. But I, look, during his tenure, the, the 2000-2004 run with us was amazing. Um, we had some really, really good seasons. And if it really weren't for him, I don't know that we would have had any of that, nearly any of that success. Um, you know, and it's uh, it's a shame, you know. It, he, uh, you know, the Eagles saw something there at the end of his career and was like, you know what? It's time to go. Um, but I want to finish this up with one more, um, uh, one more thought as far as I was curious to see your thoughts on this because we've really focused on a lot of Eagles quarterbacks here. Uh, we've talked Foles, we've talked Wentz, and uh, we've talked, um, you know, uh, McNabb and so forth. Um, but I was curious your thoughts. Is there anyone in the top of your mind baseball-wise? Because I Meso sticks at me as maybe more of a personal thing. Um, obviously, the numbers aren't there. I was curious for the Phillies. Is there anyone in your mind that's like, you know what, they were excellent for us or vice versa? So there's a couple guys. Um, a guy by the name of Lance Parrish, all-star with the Tigers. He was, he was an outstanding catcher with the Tigers, outstanding power hitter. Came to us and sucked ass. Um, Von Hayes, again, all-star with the Indians and, and a really good player for the Indians, and we gave up a fucking haul to get him, and he was not anywhere near – what he was with with the Indians when he came to uh... yeah let's we can we can do the Von Hayes one real quick here it's interesting he ends up spending nine years um in Philly which is insane I think we've even talked about that before yeah to think about the problem with him is is that he's supposed to be like this heralded player he finishes top 10 rookie of the year voting the time he comes over to Philly uh, by the trade, which was, as you said, that was, um, yeah, anyway. Um, <laughs> but he uh, basically has a little bit of success in Philly, but he never, ever lives up to the hype. And I think that's why he's always listed as, like, in the top ten of most hated Phillies. You know, you always see Scott Rowland on those lists. You always see J.D. Drew, even though whatever you can, you know, about him. You always see certain ones, but he's always on there. It's because he never lived up to the hype. Von Hayes, nine seasons. He leads the league in two and excuse me, 1986 in runs and in doubles. Finishes top ten in the MVP voting. And that's about the best season he has in Philly. 89, he's an all-star. And I guess that's just because they needed to have an all-star. Happened to be the year Mike Schmidt retired. So it's like, oh, yeah. you have to have a Philly all-star. So let's give it to Von Hayes because he hits 259. 26 homers, 78 RBI. Um, they were, to me, it's very pedestrian. Uh, the 26 home runs, I guess, is what gets you the all-star nod. Um, yeah. But he was supposed to be the superstar that carried over, you know, after the, the glory years of the early 80s um, that kind of, you know, carried the torch, if you will. And this never lived up to that hype um, ever. And I think that's – it's look, he wasn't horrible – um, but he was—he just wasn't, you know. I don't know. He's actually actually involved in some interesting trades too. Let's go back to to, to this one. This is the the, the two. So he's selected by Cleveland um, in the seventh round of the '79 draft. He gets traded to the Phillies in exchange for Manny Trio, George Vukovic, Jay Baller, Jerry Willard, and 
Julio Franco. So who would you have rather had on your team? Von Hayes or Julio Franco? Yeah. I would have picked uh, Julio Franco. Hell, I'd have picked I'd have picked his brother, Charlie Hayes. <laughs> yeah, because Julio Franco goes on to play baseball. I mean, he could still be playing now for all I know somewhere. Um, Julio Franco goes on to play baseball until the age of 49 in 2007 in the majors. Von Hayes, though, this is what you're going to hate even more. You ready for this one? Yeah, let's go. So when Von Hayes is traded to the Angels, any thoughts on who he gets traded for? Von Hayes to the Angels. Julio Franco. No, no. This is when he's traded to the Angels. The Angels send back two players for Von Hayes. Two players for Von Hayes from the Angels. Um, one of them, one of them is Kyle Abbott. Abbott. Yeah, I was going to say, Jim Abbott's less talented brother, right? Yeah, yep, that's one, Kyle Abbott. But do you know who the other right. one is? And if I'm not mistaken, this is where he gets his Philadelphia initiation. Yes, oh, I'm correct. <sighs> Ruin Tomorrow Jr. I fucking hate... Von Hayes. 